Welcome to the Faith Connections Podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Philemon chapter 1, verses 1 through 21. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday School lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. I don't feel that old, but I, I must admit, life has changed significantly in the last 30 years. My wife and I first started dating in the spring of 1990, 33 years ago. I was a freshman in college and she was still in high school. We lived three hours away from each other for the next three years. Long distance phone calls were still charged per minute that you talked to somebody back then. Cell phones were not available yet. I had at least heard of phone car phones at the time, but only the movers and the shakers had those. Almost all college students had a word processor. My college roommate was one of the first people I knew to have a personal computer. How strange that seemed to me, a personal computer. Email was starting to be used, but only in business situations. So while Jenny and I dated, we wrote letters the old fashioned way. It was always exciting the day I received a letter. I would read it, smell it, she usually sprayed perfume on it, and I would sit down to write a return note the same day. We still have many of those letters in a stored box. Letters have been an effective form of communication for thousands of years. Only recently with the rise of social media and the ability to send emails and text messages, has letter writing become unfashionable or out of date. Letter writing is kind of a lost art today. There's still something special when you receive a personal handwritten letter in the mailbox. Most of the books of the New Testament were written as letters. And most of those letters were written by Paul as letters to churches or groups of people. This week's lesson is reflecting on a very short letter written by Paul to one man named Philemon. It appears that Philemon was a wealthy member of the church in Coloss who offered his house for meetings of the Fellowship of Believers. Undoubtedly, Paul had written a lot of personal letters. What was special about this letter that the early church leaders considered it important enough to include it in the collection of books we now have hold as the Holy Scriptures. Maybe we will find an answer to such a question as we read Philemon chapter 1, verses 1 through 21. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow co-worker, also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take care, so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand, I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. <laughs> Paul wrote this letter to Philemon using the classic structure of first century Roman letters. He began with a salutation, which includes the stated author of the letter, its intended recipients, and a typical greeting of peace. This is one of Paul's letters that he wrote from a Roman jail cell, likely around 60 AD. While Paul was a prisoner of the Roman Empire, he makes clear in verse one that he was truly a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He was bound by Rome, yet free through his faith in Jesus. Paul also mentioned Timothy as a co-author of this letter. Timothy was Paul's close ministry colleague and was also the co-author of several letters. We're not sure if Timothy was also in prison here, but he is at least Paul's support during this time of imprisonment. Paul's letter was written to Philemon, who Paul calls our dear friend and fellow co-worker in verse one. Dear friend from the New International Version, the NIV, is literally translated beloved brother in the Greek, indicating Philemon was a believer. 
not only was Philemon a brother in Christ, Paul referred to him as a fellow worker. In other words, Philemon served the Lord Jesus in ministry like Paul did. The salutation also mentions other recipients in verse 2, Apphia, Archippus, and the church that meets in Philemon's home. Apphia is called our sister. Archippus is referred to as our fellow soldier, and he's also mentioned in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. Many scholars still today believe that Apphia was Philemon's wife and Archippus was his son. The final part of the salutation, verse 3, included a Christianized form of common Greek and Jewish greetings. Paul extends grace and peace to Philemon. Grace in common Greek meant, may it be well for you. Peace was a typical Jewish greeting, shalom in Hebrew. For Paul and us, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are the only ones who provide lasting and eternal grace and peace. The second section of the classic letter was a Thanksgiving section. The letter to Philemon was the shortest Thanksgiving given by Paul in any of his letters. Paul's heart swelled with gratefulness for what God was doing in Philemon's life. Prayer was a vital part of Paul's ministry, as we see in Philemon chapter 1, verse 4. Prayers is plural in verse 4, showing that it was a spiritual habit for Paul to pray for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Philemon's reputation preceded him. Paul had heard about Philemon's love for the community of believers, and he had heard about Philemon's great faith. In a day when communication was slow and cumbersome, think about how Paul would have heard such a news. Uh, by foot, by word of mouth, over days and possibly weeks of travel between cities. For Paul to hear about Philemon, Philemon would have been a shining example of faith in Jesus in the city of Coloss. I remember being mentored in ministry by an older, wise pastor. He saw my willingness to deal with tough issues within the church for the sake of God's kingdom. He gave me this analogy. He said, you should think about bringing a tough question to someone by delivering it as a sandwich. A sandwich has bread, then meat, followed by bread again. When you give to someone for a, when you come to someone for a difficult conversation, he said, begin with something good, then bring the hard topic and follow it some, with something good again. My mentor said, this will make the hard conversations easier to swallow. In a real sense, Paul is doing that here. In this Thanksgiving section of the letter, Paul was appealing to Philemon's love and faith with hopes to bring a more difficult request that is coming soon. Philemon 1.6 makes this even clearer. Paul hoped that Philemon's strong faith in Jesus would make him effective in deepening his understanding of every good thing. God was working in Philemon's heart for the sake of Christ, which would affect everything Philemon did, including his response to this letter. Paul concludes 
this Thanksgiving by declaring that Philemon had brought great joy and encouragement to him because Philemon had refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Verse 7. The Greek word translated refreshed in Philemon chapter 1, verse 7, is in the perfect passive tense. This indicates that what Philemon had done in the past was still encouraging and refreshing the saints who heard of his good work. In light of Philemon's reputation for love and faith, Paul begins his appeal in verse 8. His appeal begins with an interesting statement about authority. Paul acknowledges that he could be bold in this letter and command Philemon to do what is right. Paul's leadership and authority in the first century were well known among the early churches in Asia Minor, the area of Southwest Turkey today. As we will soon see, it's possible that Paul had even led Philemon to faith in Jesus, thus giving him even more relational, relational authority. Instead of using position or relational authority, Paul appears, appeals to Philemon on the basis of love, according to verse 9. Paul wanted this letter to give Philemon an opportunity to grow in his love and faith even more. Just a side note to parents who are trying to disciple your children in Christ, there comes a point in the life of a Christian child, maybe between the years of 12 and 16 years old, where parents do better to allow their children space to make the right decisions on their own, coaching them, of course, not telling them what they should do, but pointing in the right direction and calling them to pray for God to lead them. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 9, Paul even uses his weak position, an old man, he says, and prisoner of Christ Jesus, to appeal not from a place of authority, but from a place of weakness. Paul waits to mention the subject of the letter until verse 10, a slave named Onesimus. It appears in this short letter from Paul that Onesimus was formerly a slave of Philemon in the city of Colossus. As we mentioned two weeks ago, slavery in the first century was very common. It's believed that nearly half the population of the ancient city of Rome were slaves. A prominent family would have, would have had at least 10 slaves. Wealthy families would have had more than 200 slaves. In Rome, slaves were on the city labor force. They made clothing and furniture and were farmers and miners. In the home, they cooked, attended, attended to guests, served food and washed dishes. History tells that there were sometimes grades of authority and distinction even among slaves. Some slaves became teachers for the family, household managers, and merchants. While not all slaves were treated poorly, most slaves lived in constant fear of torture and death, driving them to try to escape their homes. Paul referred to Anesimus as my son in verse 10. Then Paul says he became my son. Became is literally translated 
begotten or birthed in Greek. This implies that Paul likely led Onesimus to saving faith in Jesus. So remember what we know so far. Paul had led Philemon to the Lord. Philemon was a wealthy man with a good reputation for love and faith in the church in Colossus. Paul later led Onesimus, a former slave of Philemon, to Jesus. Now, Philemon and Onesimus are both believers. Their new relationship to Jesus changes their old relationship with each other. They went from being slave owner and slave to brother to brothers in the Lord. How would Philemon's love for the saints and faith in Jesus affect this new reality? As you can feel the tension building in this story, we see additional clues that help us know even more of the story. Onesimus's name means profitable or useful. In verse 11, we see Paul make a wordplay on Onesimus's name. Paul says that Onesimus was formerly useless to Philemon, but now he's become useful both to Philemon and to Paul. The letter doesn't say exactly how Onesimus was useless to Philemon in the past. Did he cause trouble in Philemon's family? Some suggest that he may have stolen from Philemon and fled. Now, however, as a believer, brother, and fellow minister of the gospel, Onesimus had become useful to both Paul and Philemon in a spiritual way. Onesimus had become special to Paul, but Paul obviously knew that reconciliation between now brothers in Christ needed to happen for the body of Christ to be strong. Paul desired to send Onesimus back to Philemon. This letter would accompany Onesimus. Why would Paul want to do this? This was a risky proposition for Onesimus. Philemon could legally punish Onesimus, even severely punish him as a runaway slave. The reality for Paul was that Onesimus was being a great brother to Paul. There was even a sense that Onesimus was filling a role in Paul's life that Philemon could not fill, caring, caring for his needs while in prison, according to verse 13. But the way things were, Onesimus was not a free, a freely given gift to Paul. For Paul, this could only become healthy if there was, a, was spiritual reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. Maybe then Philemon could make a voluntary decision to send Onesimus back to Paul, no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ who was sent into ministry for Christ. Paul shared one more bold possibility before he made his final plea to Philemon. In verse 15, Paul acknowledges what God may have been doing through all of this. It was possible, according to Paul, that the reason Onesimus and Philemon had been separated in the first place was for the good of both of them and for the sake of the kingdom of God. Can I just say today that reconciliation in the body of Christ is like letter writing, a lost art. 
Reconciliation is risky. Yes. It is hard relationally. Yes. It requires humility. Yes. But the benefits are amazing. No walls between you and God or between you and others. True freedom, the way God intends you to live, is a reconciled life. Who do you need to go to this week to make amends? Don't waste another minute of separation. Life is simply too short and the gospel is too important. Paul's primary request to Philemon in this letter was to welcome Onesimus as Philemon would welcome Paul. Onesimus was Paul's representative to Philemon as he was to receive the same type of honor and respect that Paul would have received. Paul even acknowledges in verse 18 that Onesimus may have owed a debt to Philemon. If he did, Paul, like the good Samaritan, wanted to personally pay the bill. This is a tremendous reversal of how most slaves were treated. Paul was flipping slavery over and lifting Onesimus as a new believer in Christ. Paul wanted Philemon to extend his love and show his faith by welcoming Onesimus back as a brother in Christ and no longer a slave. It is by the power of the love of God, which has been poured out into the lives of Christians like Philemon, that good can be done in this world, where relationships can be transformed, churches strengthened, and even entire societies changed forever. Church tradition suggests that this indeed is what happened. The ancient church leader Ignatius wrote a letter to the Ephesians sometime around AD 110, mentioning the name Onesimus as the bishop of Ephesus. If this is the same Onesimus, not only did Philemon free him, but Onesimus went on to become one of the key leaders in the early church. Two transformed lives, changed by the power of the blood of Jesus, can have a profound impact on an entire society. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.